All who have achieved real excellence in any art possess one thing in common, a mind to obey nature, to be one with nature throughout the four seasons of the year. Whatever such a mind sees is a flower. Whatever such a mind dreams is the moon. So says the great haiku master, Matsuo Basho. This is Poet on Song, the podcast that proposes to love a poet with you and accompany them with great music. My name is Mariama Antoine, and today it is the wonder of a master who is to revolutionize Japanese classical letters by injecting into a form that was lingering in its decadence the nobility and quiet effusion that gave rise to what we in the West came to know as the haiku. It is the ineffable snapshots of Matsuo Basho, the great poet of nature and Zen devotee, that we'll explore. As image and haiku go hand in hand, I ask you to imagine Basho dressed in the habit of a monk, for it was easier to avoid road bandits in such attire, traveling alone or with a disciple. A rustic air quivering around him, come heat, come rain, come snow, determined to learn from the elements, to come to some authentic understanding of the things around him. For he traveled much, undertook what can only be called journeys, for they were as physically taxing as they proved spiritually enlightening. I'll read you from various travel sketches, and from as much acclaim the narrow road to the deep north. His observations are precise, almost surgical, and because of that, we are delivered both the fragility and enduring occurrences of what he describes. For most of the poems that I'll read, 
I'm using the David Landis Barnell and the Nobuyoki Yuasa translations. And a bit. Here are the first haikus. A bee. A bee staggered out of the peony. Autumn moonlight. A worm digs silently into the chestnut. A field of cotton, as if the moon had flowered. Clearing at evening, cooling off under the cherry flowers with blossoms on the waves. Roses of Sharon at the roadside, perishing one after another in the mouth of a horse. Someone once told me that if we gathered the greatest minds of our time and asked them to produce something wonderful, that they could never come up with a flower, that they could not package the multifaceted complexity of such a thing in utter simplicity. Yet, that is the very wonder of nature, the essence of Basho's song for he devoted his entire life and art form to the observation of a simple movement, complexity, and ease. And in the process teaches that opposite ends often constitute the totality of a thing. It is from what a thing seems to be and what it seems not to be, that we begin to truly see it. His inspirations emerge from that understanding, and his poetic offerings are grounded in it. Basho manages to translate mystery by arresting for us an instant, as though it were a photograph. 
hear more of his haikus. A snowy morning by myself, chewing undried salmon. By the polonia tree, a quail is crying inside the garden. Moonrise gathering, carrying a plum branch, a novice mountain ascetic. Inside the temple, visitors cannot know, cherries are blooming. Year upon year, Fertilizing the cherry trees, blossom dust. Day by day, the barley reddens towards ripeness, singing skylarks. Transforming itself every single day, a cotton rose following are translated by Robert Haas. Just love him. A caterpillar, this deep in the fall, still not a butterfly. A monk sips morning tea, it's quiet. The crescentiums flowering. This delicate conversation between the uttered and the silent elides the complicated and simple and sharpens the landscape of his song. Basho's poetry delves into the present moment and leaves us with flashes and echoes of ordinary things made extraordinary because he took the time to look at them. 
And it's the very spaciousness of the haiku, ironically because it's so short and simple a form, that allows him to open the doors of contemplation for us. And that's what he does when we let him. Reading Basho for me feels like taking a walk through a secluded forest where the air is fresher than you've ever known it. It's arresting because the experience may be new to you, but that forest has existed much longer than you have, and it's that realization which creates a sense of belonging to something that is deeper and vaster than the constructed world of thought. Here is what I mean. The old woman, a cherry blossom in old age, is something to remember. The summer grasses, all that remains of brave soldiers' dreams, This one's really famous, perhaps his best known haiku. I love it, the old pond. An old silent pond. A frog jumps into the pond. Splash, silence again. Our modern world is an intrinsicate one, a world where every single action requires many steps, checking our emails, organizing our daily lives, every undertaking seems contingent on our subscription to the endless burden of the logistics that facilitate an order, yes, but also rush us making reflection, contemplation, almost impossible feats. Yet, more than ever, the focus of our attention strikes me as the most essential thing we can do for ourselves. We who are living the end of a civilization and are unsure of what is to come, 
focus enough to see the entire landscape as we move through it. And that's what Basho does with every haiku, with every sketch. What you get is the undiscriminating image of a moment. I'll read you a few more. For some of the haikus that I'll read next, I've left Basho's introduction to them. This is what he writes for the next one. I saw a huge pine tree, probably a thousand years old in the garden of Tema Temple at the foot of Mount Futugami. The trunk was large enough to hold a bowl. As I stood in front of this tree, I felt a strange sense of awe and respect. Here's the haiku. How many priests, how many morning glories have perished under this spine, eternal as law. Another introduction, and then a haiku. Following the example of the ancient priest, who is said to have traveled thousands of miles, caring not for his provision, and attaining the state of sheer ecstasy under the pure beams of the moon, I left my broken house in the river Sumida on the August of the first year of Giochio, among the wells of the autumn wind. Determined to fall, a weather-exposed skeleton, I cannot help the sore wind blowing through my heart. Firefly viewing at Seta, first snow, and the daffodil leaves bend into nothingness. The moon is about to rise, everyone with hands on their knees in the room. This one's my favorite. You make the fire, and I'll show you something wonderful. A big ball of snow. Basho, which means banana tree, was the name taken by Matsuo Munefusa. The story is that he loved the banana tree outside of his house in Edo, Tokyo, so much that he named the house Basho and published his poems in that name. 
He was born in the mid-17th century, 1644 to be exact, 28 years after Shakespeare had yielded his last breath in Stratford-upon-Haven and was the son of a low-ranking samurai. It's impossible to speak of Basho without the incredible tradition of Japanese letters who created, upheld, and elevated men like him. The culture which understood nature to be a repository of beauty and encouraged its public viewing. The viewing of cherry blossoms. The viewing of the moon. The viewing of the first snow permeate his song. And his collective song, which offered the world one of its highest note in Basho, is rooted in the sense of togetherness. One can add to tradition, link the verse from different perspective. What I'll read next is an example of poetry that emerges from multitudinous perspective, a linked verse. This is how Basho introduces this poem. Shortly after daybreak, the moon began to shine through the rifts made in the hanging clouds. I immediately awakened the priest and other members of the household followed him out of bed. We sat for a long time in utter silence, watching the moonlight trying to penetrate the clouds and listening to the sound of the lingering rain. If you continue reading, you'll find out that they compose a poem together. Here it is, different perspectives on one event, viewing the moon. Regardless of the weather, the moon shines the same. It is the drifting clouds that make them seem different on different nights. Swift the moon across the sky, treetops below dripping in rain. Having slept in a temple, I watched the moon with a solemn look. Having slept in the rain, the bamboo corrected itself to view the moon. How lonely it is to look at the moon, hearing in the temple eavesdrops pattering. often think of Basho and his weather-worn straw hat and frail kimono wandering the cities, the fields, the villages, and wilds of 17th century Japan in search of truth. What his thoughts were as he traversed the snow-capped mountains and humid terrains of his country, one can only imagine, but I suppose that he must have found it humbling to sit by a thing. A river, a rock, a cricket, a cherry blossom, 
and observe how it comes into being, expresses itself, and then passes from the world. And I recognize how much his reader is indebted to him, for he left us with noble truths that we can sit with and learn from tulips in a vase, surrender to the flow of a stream, the sway of trees, and see that nature proceeds effortlessly, gracefully, and for most part, operates harmoniously. It would seem that that movement also functions in us, calls on us to be most like itself, and that contemplation is the gateway. I'll leave you with these for contemplation. Turn this way. I too am lonely autumn evening. First winter shower, even the monkey seems to want a little straw coat. Gladly will I sell for profit, dear merchants of the town, my hat laden with snow. Plucking out white hairs under the pillow, a cricket. Wild boars, too, are blown along autumn one storm. Tired of sleeping on a grass pillow, I went down to the seashore. Early dawn, young and white fish shining in ephemeral white, hardly an inch long. I picked my way through the mountain road and was greeted by a smiling violet. This is where we end. This has been Poet on Song, and my name is Mariama Antoine. Poet on Song is available on most podcast platforms and on poetonsong.com. The music that you've heard on this podcast is as follows. Seven Samurai, ending theme by Rio Ricci Sakamoto, Jack Mora Lembaum, and Judy King. Four Seasons from the poem Matinee Poetique, Cherry Blossom Lane, by Yoshinao Nakata, Yoshikatsu Mara, and Kikuko Ogura. Encore from Tokyo by Keith Jarrett. Leaves of Autumn by Jang Zhao King. Amore by Ryurichi Sakamoto. When Dream Dances, Opus 98, Number 1 by Takashi Yoshimatsu, Nane Yoshimara, Kafu Matsuyashi, and Noriko Tomura. 
Moon Over the Ruined Castle by Rontaro Taki, interpretation by Mark Rowell. Chen Chen Shidori by Hadmiro Kano, interpretation by Yoyo Ma and Michio Mamiya. You can support this podcast by following us on Instagram, that is instagram.com forward slash poet on song. If you like what you've heard, I hope that you'll share the podcast and come again, for I'm heading to Latin America towards the Chilean love song of the great Pablo Neruda. See you then. Thank you.